Left. Right. Yo, what's up, Zip Talk? Here's another episode where we're talking about uh, first dates, but actually we're uh, we're talking a little bit more about uh, whether humans are inherently good or inherently evil. And uh, I think it's a decent episode. You uh, listen on, let me know what you think, and uh, make sure you throw in the comments anything you'd like to hear about next time. I'll see you guys on the other end. This is Zip Talk. Grab a drink and enjoy. <laughs> Cheers. 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 Welcome to Sip Talk, episode 149. My name is Justin DiGiulio, out of my basement in New Jersey, joined by James, the Bosnator Boswell, philosopher, accountant, professional referee, professional bartender. James, would you just crack open over there? Um, the last of the Edmonds O sour apples that I bought earlier this week. Uh, very nice. You drinking straight out of the can? No, I'm actually going to pour it. But yeah, Edmonds Oast. Really good brewery out of Charleston, South Carolina. I don't know if it'll pick it up. It's probably not. I see it. I see. I see an apple and some pastel-looking colors. Looks pretty, pretty slick though. Um, and uh, and you're looking slick there, man, with the Ferrari shirt on in your uh, what what I am guessing. What I think we discussed before is a gaming chair. It's a computer gaming chair, but it effectively looks like a Recaro racing chair that, that seat that you may find in a in a high-end Ferrari or, or sports car. It looks uh, outside of the squeaks I heard last, last week. Uh, it still squeaks. Got to, got to get that lube, man. You got to lube up the, uh, I don't know what part of the seat squeaks, but, uh, it's a slick looking seat. Yeah. All right. So we, uh, we, we got a, we got a lot to cover today and I'm hoping we, we can get it all. I got a couple of leftover first date tweets. I want to read cause, uh, stumble across them afterwards and uh, they were pretty funny and then uh, i want to get into whether or not humans are inherently good or evil because we we touched on it last episode was the last episode maybe yeah i think we i think we it was one of the core questions that that came through and uh we briefly touched on that but i was oh, was like do people have an inherent moral compass or something something along those lines and and i want to i want to delve into that a little bit deeper and, uh, you know, and, and to, to start out here, we had a couple of current events you wanted to talk about, you want to share. So what's up? What's going on? Um, I don't know if you've been following the news, but there was so the concert last weekend in Houston where like now nine people have died from it. Um, and there's going to be a whole bunch of interesting lawsuits coming out on that one. And uh, I don't know. I'm kind of hoping that this ends the career of the, the guy who was performing because it's not the first time that like bad things have happened at his concerts and he's shown, he's shown just kind of a careless disregard for other people. So like you're, there was, hoping, you're hoping he gets canceled as a result of, of people dying at his concert. Sure. Yeah. I'll, <laughs> I'll, I'll take that stance. So you don't like him. You know, I'm guessing you don't like his music. I've never listened to his music. Okay. His music's not bad. Um, but, but, but you're saying that there's been other events that have, that have happened that have been, people have been injured in. Uh, yeah, he was found guilty of like inciting a riot at one of his concerts in like 2017. Okay, but not at this one. Mm, it's too early for anything to happen on this one. Well, <clears throat> I watched a little of, of this concert footage, 
And, uh, you know, he appeared to actually kind of caught on that something was going on. He uh, he appeared to stop and uh, and try to get some people some help. And, uh, you know, th- what I realized also is that, and I, you know, I don't, I don't know much of what was going on. Uh, I don't know much about the backstory. Uh, you know, I don't want any, you know, I, I don't want to ruin this guy's career. I don't, you know, it's not my place. I wasn't at the concert. I wasn't harmed by it. I don't know enough about what's going on. But I also was thinking about it. And the thing is, when you're on a stage, where's the light? It's on you. For the most part, you're not going to see the intricacies of what's happening out in front of you, right? There'd be a little bit of light on these guys, but you're not going to know, really, for the most part, if people are laying on the ground. Um, I watched some other footage of some other concerts, and people really start drawing attention to what's going on, and that's what makes the artists aware of what happened. And it looked like the same thing happened in this one. And he, he let off on the music, slowed down. Yeah, the difference is that like I've read numerous accounts from people that have either run security at like concerts before his or where like he's told people to rush the stage and shown no respect for the security. There's a one where like there's a video of him like getting the crowd to turn on like a concert. So like the event had videographers. And so there's a videographer like in the background of the stage trying to take a video of like him performing. And like he stops a performance and calls her a nerd and everything like that, and it's like she's just doing her job, man. Like, well, okay, yeah, but I, but I don't think somebody's career should get uh should get ruined for calling somebody a nerd or just kind of being a general. It, it's not dick. just one incident. Sure, it, it's, but, it's, but it's a pattern of behavior that shows that he has no respect for anybody but himself. Well, and also, you know, I, I was, I was thinking like there are concerts where there are mosh pits and things like that, and people kind of. Some people don't know what to expect. Some people know what to expect. Uh, you know, I remember the first time, you know, being at a concert where there was a mosh pit being like, oh, my God, that's that's wild. And then I'm like, oh, you know, going to more concerts and hearing about more heavy metal concerts and it's kind of like a regular thing. I was like, oh, I guess that's that's kind of normal. But what I was thinking was uh, who's the responsible party? in this instance, you know, and people are bringing their children to, to these events. And, you know, a good comparison that I heard was, you know, in, in the sense that these places aren't necessarily prepared for the absolute worst case scenario. Now, a concert venue like that is, is not going to have 160 ambulances and, and a thousand EMT staff for absolute worst case scenario. So, so one of the things I saw is like, I I saw a picture of a a concert venue. I don't know where it was. Doesn't matter. And they had these railings installed. Like, so you have just like this big general admission area. Right. And then they had railings installed like every 20 feet or so. Um, And that those are designed. So that way, like when people try to move forward, like those railings will stop and just kind of act like well barriers to prevent people from getting too close together because it restricts movement, but not in a negative way. It's, it's a way of keeping people separated because when, and this is one of those ones where probably most of the fault lies with the concert and event organizer live nation because they should have known based on ticket sales and everything, how many people were going to be there 
and then whatever industry standard practices are for number of staff that you need based on attendance. Well, they didn't follow that. Well, but here's here's what actually hit me pretty hard. Um, and uh, it was compared to the Titanic. Titanic didn't have nearly the number of lifeboats that they needed. Now, obviously, they're not sailing across the ocean. Um, but at what at what scale of disaster are you prepared for? And what are the standards in being prepared for it? And, and I, I imagine it's not it, about the scale of the disaster that you're prepared for. It's that in, event, in events like concerts, there are steps you can take that will prevent the disaster from even taking place. So you don't need to have a worst case scenario envisioned because you can prevent that worst case scenario. Like this well, was in, entirely preventable. In retrospect, yes. But no, not like, in retrospect. Well, Th this like, is one of those ones where like we know what we're supposed to do and they just didn't do it. Well, just like in Las Vegas, when you had somebody that opened fire from a hotel window. Totally different. But in retrospect, how are you not looking up and paying attention to these things? So No, that's that's totally different because that's one where it's you're not going to be able to go course through all the areas where someone could possibly set up a sniper post and start shooting. That's not on the fault of the concert organizers. That, that that's on the fault of probably the hotel for not realizing that somebody brought in like 20 weapons, but that's not on the concert organizers. You look and say, how could the concert organizers have designed their concert for people to be more safe? And the answer is, well, probably not in any way that would have prevented what happened. Whereas what happened in Houston is how could they have done things to be more safe? Well, hire more staff and design the concert venue itself to prevent the crowd from being able to crush together like that. And and that's a, that's a really scary, very possible thing that can happen. It's and, and absolutely terrifying. One of the things I hate about crowds is just the, the crowd force. And mm -hmm. uh, and that is a really serious thing. Um, but uh, but, you know, what you're saying also takes responsibility away from Travis Scott. Yes, <laughs> so, if, and that's, I, and that's I, just I realize gets, that that's just where I, it gets a bit a, a bit messy. So you know, he I, may I, not... if if it were if this were the first time that it had ever happened at some at, at one of his events, then I wouldn't be casting blame. It's that it's happened at multiple times in his events, and there's other incidents not involving crowds. Like there was a story about how one of his managers, they were either at a recording studio or somebody's house or whatever, and one of his managers was an epileptic and he started having a seizure and Travis Scott and like the rest of his group left. Like the person started having a seizure and they just left. Yeah. Well, a lot of shitty people out there and I think there's a, right. So I'm a good chance like, he is one of them, but I don't necessarily know what that, that we can push this guy to be canceled. Uh, you know, as a result of this concert. And again, I not... see no loss in doing so. <laughs> but that, yeah. That's, that's almost like a, a vendetta you have for the guy being a dick. So, yeah, yeah, exactly. And, it's, and, the and, world will not be a worse place for it. Um, all right. So what? What else? What else is going on? So we got the. Oh, you know, actually, I heard it. Uh, the the Astrodome, I think, is is where this place took or Astro World. Yeah. Uh, and uh, they said it was the first or second deadliest U.S. venue. And uh, my head instantly started thinking, man, I wonder what the deadliest venue is in the world. And then I was like, oh, it's got to be the fucking Coliseum in Rome. Am I am I wrong on that? 
I don't, it's not really an operation anymore. <laughs> no, true. But, but my thinking was just like, damn, I wonder. Uh, and then I, yeah, I'm like, I wonder if there was something more deadly. It took me a second. I'm just like, now that one kind of clicked in my head. I'm like, oh shit, that's uh, it's got to be the deadliest. Uh, like with nine people dying last weekend or whatever, like there's been many events that have had fi- far higher death totals from like crowd crush events. Like there was one in Saudi Arabia like, 10 years ago or something during like the Hajj where like people like a whole bunch of people got trampled. It was like a hundred people that died or something like that. So this stuff happens, but it's always because things were set up to allow it to happen. It's that these, these are completely preventable things. It's not, it's never an accident when these things happen. But also it goes back to this kind of inherent good greater good of people and and this is something that was on my mind last week like if you know are you running over and stepping on a child or are you going to try to stop and even and then if you do and then you know then are you going down and what's the general mentality is is it every in this case itself? it's you don't have a choice like when just, when crowds are that dense you either move with the crowd or you fall over and people fall on top of you like it's not like people are making the choice to not stop and help someone who fell over it's that they're either falling over that person because they're being pushed from behind or they're being pushed from behind by somebody else and pushing other people in front of them it's it's really if you watch videos from like uh, there's a great video from some event where it's probably like a hundred feet up and you can see the crowd and it, it looks like just like the ocean where like there's just waves moving moving through the crowd because there's so many people that you don't really have control over how you are moving so this is not like individuals in the crowd are at fault for this yeah i i don't like crowds i don't like crowds at all i don't even like fucking lines but but crowds uh I'm not, I'm not a big fan of, I like, I'm an ILC kind of guy. I, you know, and that's, that's if I'm even in a, in a place where there's lots and lots of people. Um, right. So. And so that's why I say this has nothing to do with like, are people inherently good or evil where you hear about like someone getting stumped, like yeah, trampled total, to death in these, but like people don't have, like, they don't have control over themselves. Like, and you want to say, well, where's the evil come from? Probably from the event organizers from skimping on security. Yeah, which is a somewhat of a uh, Titanic-esque problem. You know, they they probably didn't think that that would happen. And yeah, lifeboats are expensive. Why do we need all of these? Exactly. Um, what else in current events? Because there's something I wanted to talk a little bit about. But um, I introduce you. You go first. I've got like two or three more, but we want to. I well, want to move through these quick. Well, yeah, I think the guy's name is Kyle Rittenhouse. Who? Yeah, uh, yeah, who, that was one of the things I wanted to bring up. Is the, the trial that's going on up in Wisconsin right now, which is turning kind of day by day into more and more of a clown show. And I'm not really sure because like what's really interesting with this one beyond like the circumstances of the trial and like the actual facts of the trial is how wildly different left and right media are treating this trial. I, I completely agree on that though. want to say hi to Lisa. want to say hi to Kevin Diaz. Coco uh, Simpson. Coco Simpson. What's up, guys? I think we're having some connection issues actually on online, so that's that's a shame. But this will be recorded. You can always catch us on any audio podcast platform. 
uh, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Anchor, Stitcher, some some of the other ones. Um, and you can catch us video format on YouTube. Just won't be live. But you can always send your questions. So thank you guys for joining us live while we are uh, recording this. So, yes, as with any contentious trial, it is portrayed vastly differently from the liberal versus the far right perspective. And uh, it is interesting to to watch this. So let you may know, have a little bit better of an idea uh, of what's happened uh, than I do. Kind of as always, I, I don't pay attention to many details. But let me run by you what I my understanding is from catching a little bit the last couple of days in the radio. Okay, my understanding is not perfect on it. Okay, so. Well, okay, so it's my understanding that this guy went into into town to protect local businesses or something along these lines. Brought brought with him a gun or guns, and then uh, started causing a bit of a scene. And then people sort of turned on him, and he felt that he was uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Basically, very vulnerable and, and potentially being attacked. And to fend people off, he shot them. Is that, is that generally your understanding of what happened? That he went into it's missing town. some important details. Well, it's, I, I think actually it's missing one of the big details. I think it was a, a Black Lives Matter march or protest, something along these lines. And this is a so, white kid. Yeah. So first of all, he lived in a completely different state. So it's it's not like he drove from like one town over or something. He drove a long distance. He didn't drive himself. His mother drove him from another state to an area where he had heard there was going to be a Black Lives Matter protest. He was 17 at the time and had an assault rifle, which was not legal for him to own at that time. He wasn't he wasn't legally allowed to own that firearm. And, and his mom drove him, which is so he he sought out a dangerous situation and brought with him a gun that he wasn't legally supposed to have. Then he goes into the protest area, and that's that's where things get really foggy because the left perspective is that he went in and caused a scene that he then just started shooting people. The The right portrays it as he went in and was antagonized by the protesters and attacked by the protesters and and shot well, yeah, to protect think, himself. Yeah, I think and, antagonizing was actually the word that I was looking for, was that he was antagonizing the protesters and then they turned on him because he was anti- so, yeah, there's a them, And then he defended himself with the gun. Right, so then one of the key questions here is... At what point does it stop being self-defense? If I go into a situation with a gun and start instigating things with other people and then instigate to such a point that they start threatening me with violence and then I shoot them, is that still self-defense if I'm the one who caused them to act threatening to me? And that's, I, I think that's really what what were that that's the most contentious part of this trial and i i uh, there's also and, and there's a whole bunch of stuff going on right now so in in law schools the the prosecution for this case is going to be held up as an example of what not to do 
if you were the prosecution in a case because there's one part where one of the state's witnesses so the prosecution's witnesses actually admits that not only did he attack the guy but he also pointed a gun at him before he himself got shot so that's not really good for the state's argument that he wasn't shooting in self-defense he was attacking people because if i point a gun at somebody and they shoot me that's a pretty clear case of self-defense on their part yeah so the state introduced that evidence which is not good and then there was a point where the judge chewed out the prosecution because rittenhouse took the stand in his own defense and the prosecution on cross-examination asked him after being arrested or something why he stayed silent which is a huge no-no for the prosecution because everybody knows you have the right to remain silent and bringing up in court that somebody remains silent after being arrested is basically trampling all over that because it's like silence cannot be used as evidence against somebody that's just a core tenet of our legal system and the prosecution brought that up not once but twice and the judge is like whoa you guys cannot do that yeah it's i caught i caught a few sound bites i you know i caught this kid talking a little bit and and they were asking the prosecution was was actually not and i and i could tell this not doing a very good job uh you know with their questions and the thing is like when you hear the the news reports and the media coverage of what's happening and you hear actually what's happening in the courtroom like when you hear what's actually happening in the courtroom you can interpret you can interpret things on your own and then you hear the media coverage and i'm usually listening on npr and they are they are very liberally interpreting it and then spitting it back out to you so they're like chewing it up and then spitting it back out to you from their perspective so that's and and i was having this i feel like they're chewing i don't think they're spitting it back out to you i think it's being processed a little bit more and you're getting the other end <laughs> i think that's i think that's very likely and that's unfortunately the last uh last several years i've noticed npr has gotten uh a lot lot worse so that's that's really frustrating for for me because they usually do a very i just don't know what's going to happen i think there's there's theories out there that the prosecution's actually trying to get a mistrial at this point so that like they could start over and so the risk that they run is if the judge declares a mistrial declares a mistrial with prejudice because like the prosecution screwed up so badly then there is no retrial. It's just the charges get dismissed because the prosecution was so bad. Um, I don't really know what's going to happen. And I thought that this would have been an open and shut case at at the outset. I think think especially last year, it appeared that it was going to be. You have a white dude that was driven across state lines. With an illegal weapon. With an illegal weapon armed and then went, went to a Black Lives Matter protest and started shooting people. That's... That sounds very open and shut, mm-hmm. but but you know, and I, I think the Second Amendment really gets uh, you know plays a, a core role in this. Because, when you're a minor, it doesn't have the same application. Well, that's that's the issue. But also, this guy got his hand on a weapon. So, it was provided to him by somebody. Yep, and then the whole self defense. You know, that's that's effectively what weapons are for. Whether he got his hands on it legally or not self-defense is is a right and yeah but the 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 question is was it self-defense and that's but that's where it gets that's where it gets tricky so but but again if if i have a gun 
and I start shouting at you, now I'm antagonizing you. But if you then come at me knowing that I have a gun, shame on you. Like that's that's dumb on your part because I'm the guy with the gun. So you, sometimes you know somebody, a bigger person picks on you. Sometimes you just gotta you just gotta take it, and and you know you gotta pick your fights, and you're not gonna fight with somebody who's got a who's got a gun. And that's it's it's just and that's bad. Like bad, you know, shame on him for for putting people in that situation. Also, but I don't know what to make of it. Um, yeah, and, but but it's it's I, and the problem is like I normally would like to be able to follow something like this on the news, but I just don't trust anything that I read on either side, and it's rare for me to be in a position where I'm like I can't even figure out what's going on here because the coverage is so shitty. Well, the coverage is much different in South Carolina than it is in New York, um, but the fact that either end of the coverage is is just really difficult to listen to objectively. Uh, yeah. It's, and that's, that's, what's really frustrating, which is why I, you know, I listen to, uh, I listen to a lot of different media sources and, and in podcasts and radio stations, and TV. All right. Well, let's wrap up with the news. Cause we're actually like well, 30 minutes in now. All right. Shit. My, my bad. What was, what was the other thing you wanted to bring up? We'll see. I was we- going to talk. Well, th- I think this might be like more of a full podcast, but like, there's all these supply chain issues right now where people are trying to order stuff for either the holidays or whatever and aren't getting it because supply is like shipping production, all the logistical support needed for both of those things is just gummed up. And I wanted to tie that together with what we've been seeing recently that a lot of like news outlets have been calling like the great resignation where lots of people are just like quitting jobs and like, there's the employment shortage or whatever. And those two are definitely related. And I wanted to talk about what's going on there, but I think that that's going to take more than five minutes to sort through. Fair enough. Um, but on that uh, and the great resignation, I have, uh, I, I recently heard that a lot of the supply chain issues right now are, are also compounded very much so by the, the fact that we don't have truck drivers. Well, that's part of the great resignation thing. Is exactly. That- and there, and, but people are resigning from this job, but also it's a job that's not going to exist very soon into the future. People Potentially. Drive, well, people driving trucks, I, you know, we're going to have a lot more automation and driving a truck at the speed limit and making stops is, you know, something I imagine to be reasonably automatable in the, in the not so distant future. Probably. Um, let's. Let, I want to hear some more of these bad first dates. All right. Well, hang on. L- let me. Let's talk about this. This. Uh, this good and bad stuff. If we have time, we'll we'll get to these first dates. But you know, uh, a lot of my thinking on on whether humans are inherently good or inherently evil. Uh, I'm 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 stuck. I'm stuck on it because I'd like to think that in order for us to progress as a society or as a race that. Um, you know, the human race has to ultimately be good. And we've progressed quite a ways over the last several thousand years. Uh, but I think we're hitting a bit of a plateau. And I'm wondering if, if that's kind of canceling out my argument that humans are, are actually more good than bad. Um, and well, it's because you're missing the real answer. 
well, what is the real answer? So if the question is, are humans inherently good or inherently evil? The answer is neither. And, and why is this? There, there's no inherent human nature. Well, a, a lot of my thinking that we are generally good is, is that being bad isn't going to get us as far. It's not true. Well, but I've, I've been doing a lot of thinking on this. It's, I don't think, and, and you're going to have outliers on either end, right? You're going to have like a Rockefeller or a Christopher Columbus who, you know, supposedly both of the, these guys, and I don't know enough about them, you know, we're, we're really bad guys, but, but Columbus definitely. So I don't know anything about Rockefeller's history, right. so I can't comment. Uh, but, but took advantage of other people and, and ultimately, ultimately made out very well for themselves. But then on the other hand, you had, and so they were bad people that, that benefited really well by being bad. And then you have the super good people and quantitatively, and I'm thinking like mother Teresa. No, mother Teresa was not actually a very good person. Okay. Then, then the name and well, one, I'm curious why you think that I don't know much about mother Teresa, but why do you think that? And then name another good person, Mr. Rogers. Mr. Rogers. Yeah, yeah, I like Mr. Rogers, but but you you would I mean, Mr. Rogers, anything you read about him, the man was just so fundamentally good. Yeah. And and, and that worked out very well for him. Um, but, but he didn't do it for any other reason. He did it because he he had a concept of what being good to other people was. And he just lived it every single day. Yeah, I like that. I, and and I, I agree. But then you somebody else that you don't always know what's going on. I'm not really trying to compare this person to Mr. Rogers, but then you have a Bill Cosby who everybody thought was a good, great, caring, wonderful person, except for a very slight minority that knew what he had done. And then everybody found out what he had done. And now we all understand that he was just a terrible, terrible. Right. So one person pretended to be good and one person just was good. Yeah. Um, But, but my, I mean, and, and you can live an entire life hiding that. And, well, and Cosby he, almost, he almost did. Almost did, exactly. So, but but what my thinking is, is that there has to be this, if you sow badness, ultimately what you're going to get is badness. So not every Rockefeller who takes advantage of people and, and winds up really good for themselves, uh, that, you know, that's not always the case. Bad people don't always win. And, and then, you know, then I was trying to think of some bad people that really, you know, at, at the end, they did really bad shit, but like they you know, they're not being celebrated and, and shit ended pretty badly for them, like a Hitler or an Osama bin Laden. Real quick, we should just throw this out to the chat and see what they have to say in terms of answering your question so we can respond to them. Say hi to Modest, Modestly Blase. And also, so Princess Diana, was she a good person? I don't know enough about her, but I think that like she did a lot of work for charity and like humanitarian concerns. So she was probably pretty good. Yeah. I, but I, I wouldn't think of her as a generally good or generally bad person. That, that wouldn't be. Um, uh, you want to read Rosh's comment here? Um, yeah, Chris Rock, Chris Rock said that it's not about teaching your kid to love. It's beating the hate out of them. His <laughs> daughter was being mean to another girl on the playground. He's like, do you really think I taught my girl? Well, my, yeah, my girl to, to like be mean to that kid? Kids are bad inherently, and you have to beat it out of them. I don't agree. Like, <laughs> well, I, I, I like Chris Rock, and I think he puts things funny, 
in, so in funny that, ways, but I don't think that that's necessarily the right approach. Oh, I think that's the humor in the in the statement. Yeah. Um, so, but my my thinking is that what we understand as karma is actually a much more complex thing. That is is that what you karma is an invention. It is an invention, and that's and that's and that's why it's it's people not because what people aren't doing is playing chess with their good deeds and their bad deeds. I don't think so, people think think I don't think people are smart enough for that. But when, what I'm saying is if you do enough good, goodness comes back to you. And that's that's what the invention of karma is your description of that. OK, so let's 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 we need to have a working. Rosh says we need to define what's good and bad. And I think he's he's right. So I don't really have an easy definition for what makes someone evil, but I do have an easy definition for what makes someone good. Okay. Um, being a good person is doing things that will benefit others without caring whether or not those things will benefit yourself. So did you watch that video that you sent yesterday or the day before? About of the, stupidity? Yep. So, but doing things that benefit others, uh, where you, uh, basically where you lose is stupid. No. In, in, stupid, the definition in the video that we watched yesterday, the definition of stupid is those that cause losses for others. But also yeah. losses for themselves unintentionally. Um, no. Oh, yeah. Those it's people that cause losses for others without gains to themselves. Yeah, but because if you cause losses for others with gains to yourself, then that's what's classified in the video as a bandit. That's kind of basically evil. Is I'm causing losses to others and gains for myself. And that's so we we have to kind of remove intel. But I think intelligence is an important factor in good and evil. Is it you don't need the, to be smart to be good, but it's the wherewithal to 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 be uh, to be doing something intentionally, right? And if you're if you're doing good at a loss to yourself, that's that's not going to last for very long. It depends. Well, it's the oxygen mask on yourself, and then help and then help the person next to you situation, right? If you just if you help the person next to you and. Then you know, and then you pass out, and you can't help the person on the other side of you. But, but I think I think the the for the benefit of others is a strong tenant in the being good. What else uh, is there? Well, I don't think you can. I I don't. The self harm or to the deficit of the self. I think it doesn't have to be to the deficit of yourself. It just has to be that. You were concerned about the betterment of others, irregardless of whether or not you derive any gain from that benefit. But what about for the betterment of, of others, but only some others? So discriminatory goodness? Well, you know, it's, it's the pulling the train lever and you, and you, you kill the, the one person instead of killing the six people, right? Yeah, I always thought that that was a terrible example to, to provide for ethics. Um, and the best comment that I ever read about that one 
um, an engineer talked about, he's like, whenever I see this example of like, you've got five people on one track and one person on the other, and like the train's headed towards the five and you can pull the lever that'll like send it to the one, but you're responsible for the one, what do you do? And he's like, this, this question's addressing a problem that is way out of hand. The real question should be, why are there people on the tracks in the first place and who put them there? That's, that's who we need to be going after right now is how do we allow a system to get us to this point? Fair enough. And, and I'm glad you shared that. Cause I actually, I never thought about it that way. <laughs> so, so that, so that's good. But, but back to the, back to the, the good and evil. So doing things for the betterment of others, that is a, a tenant in the being good. And uh, I would it, say that's the entire definition. Yes, but I think it needs to be more well-rounded than that because you can't simply always be doing things for the betterment of others because ultimately, you know, it could be, could be bad for you. And uh, I, I go back to the oxygen mask thing. You just can't, you can't be all give. And then on the bad end of the spectrum is taking from others for self enrichment. Mm -hmm. But again, and this is why I think I, and, and this is why I think we kind of lean more towards good because when you're consuming, right, when you're taking from others for the betterment of yourself, I think you end up with, with a a net negative because ultimately you're going to run out of resources. And when people are going to catch on that, you're, that you're a bad dude. Whereas if you're giving to others and, and here's where, what I'm thinking is maybe you can give to others and then you get that karma effect and more goodness comes back on you. And that's, and that's why I would think that this idea of karma is invented to describe the multiplication effect of being good. And that's why I think it, I think there has to just be more, generally there has to be more goodness out there than badness. Well, possibly, because if there were more people out there causing harm to others than causing betterment of others, then the system would kind of collapse. It just wouldn't work. Say that one more time. If you have more people out there causing harm to others than causing benefit to others, then the system's going to unwind. Yeah, because I bec- and that's and that's what I'm getting at with the and, and that's why I think ultimately there has to be more goodness and, and humans have to have there's something out there that's that you know that's that's making people for the sake of humanity be better. Um, economics basically, it's that if I can produce something that helps other people, then I can trade that for other things that other people have produced that help other people. So by doing good for others, I can take advantage of the good and not like take advantage in a negative way, but take advantage of the fact that other people are also doing good and then trade my good with their good. And so it's incentivized by on both sides for people to help each other because then you get to reap the benefits of skills that other people have that you don't. But that's, and that's why I, that's, that's where my brain was going with this whole karma idea and that, and that good has this, uh, that goodness multiplies and, and badness basically divides. And that if you spread goodness, 
it's going to create more goodness and that that will come back towards you and that's where i think this the the idea of karma is derived from yeah so like in an economic sense if you think about it if all you're doing is taking advantage of other people and not really contributing anything on your own then eventually people are going to realize this and stop trading with you because you are not providing anything for them mm -hmm. and so it, it the system is geared towards people that provide benefits to others because then others want to provide benefits to them it's reciprocal like and it's like the freeloader thing where like if you're in a group project or whatever in school and you've got one person who's not doing any of the work or whatever like they might be able to get away with that once but eventually the group's going to realize that they're not doing anything and basically just tell the teacher like hey justin didn't do any of the work that like this group project there's four of us and uh it's three people's work that you're seeing yeah I, <laughs> i'm trying to think back to like some school group projects that that i was involved in i would say for the majority of them i did the majority of the work but but sometimes i uh, i did i did very little and yeah and so like if you're in a class where it's all group projects or whatever and like let's say you have four projects over the course of the semester and you're working with like a fresh group of people each time then like if you don't pull your weight in the first group then by the time it comes to the second group the people in that first group are going to be like hey don't like you, james is in your group this time he did nothing for us in our last group so just be aware of that right now and i'm going to be carrying a bad reputation into my second group and well yeah and then all and then they're not going to want to work with me because i took advantage of the first group if you're letting the groups form themselves and then what's going to be left are all the non-performers in a group that just doesn't perform yeah if if, if if the teacher assigns the groups then you're kind of boned but if the the groups kind of get to form by themselves then like nobody's going to want to work with me in the second round because i'm like you didn't do anything why would we invite you into our group yeah but but i'm not necessarily seeing the multiplication effect here when we when we well, break it down into groups whereas I, I'm, I'm just saying like rosh was asking about like an example of how like goods trading and taking and providing for others versus taking from others lo long term is either a successful or not successful strategy and the idea is like what are you good at Is that a question to me? Yes. <laughs> uh, beats me. Beats me. Okay. Uh, well, think about like, I don't know, you're a mechanic. You're good at fixing cars, but you're not good at diagnosing medical problems. So you focus on fixing people's cars and you're providing good to them. And you can go to somebody else who's good at fixing medical problems when you hurt yourself fixing a car. It, 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 this is the this is the foundation for all trade is that you're not going to be good enough at all the things that you need to do so you specialize and you prov you find a way of trading your goods and services for those that others provide and everyone's better off and if i if i fix cars and then like if a doctor comes in and says like, hey man, can you fix my car? I'd be like, I'll fix your car, but can you like take a look at this growth? Well, like, my, my hourly rates a lot higher than your mechanic right. hourly rates. So but you, you come up with the trade and you say, I'll fix, uh, but, but I'll fix your car if you fix my arm. And 
then if I fix the car and the doctor says, well, I'm not going to fix your arm. Well, then I'm going to, then like, I'm going to learn something from that. But like now, like I'm not going to deal with that doctor anymore. And I'm going to spend, I'm going to tell other people don't take that doctor's word. Then yeah. yeah. And all trading is bartering. Currency is just a way of translating different bartering systems into a single uh, system. Yeah. Uh, you're basically putting a value on, on each, on each trade. Um, but, I, but, Again, and that's that's how, and I think I think actually currency might be leading to the decline in the spread of goodness because because we're assigning a currency to it rather than a good a, a sense of goodwill and and indebtment to goodwill. So you know, in my multiplication multiplicative effect, where you do something good and it gets returned to you somehow. Uh, you know, you don't see that if, if if somebody does something good to me and I give them a hundred dollars, you know, that hundred dollars will never expand beyond a hundred dollars. And actually, it's being taxed. So now it's it's ninety two dollars, you know, because of the sales tax and then the recipients paying income tax on it. So so now it's sixty dollars. Uh, so I actually think currency may have slowed down the multiplicative effect of the spread of goodness. Are you following me through this? Yeah, but I don't agree. <laughs> well, but that's, I, I, I just but don't we're, think... We're, we're kind of off topic because the question is, are humans inherently good or evil? And my answer is neither. It's, we are products of our environment and we can become good or evil based on what behaviors are reinforced yeah and and what does well and I, and I think this is I think the environment inherently reinforces goodness and the environment you would hope well, for the most part for the most part but it's it's not always because you can like it's it's a it's a very cultural thing um and you can look at people that are raised in certain cultures we would probably say are not good people but in their culture they are who's to say who's right can you i won't press you for this but can you think of an example on that because i'm trying to think of an example on that well um if you're raised in like a white supremacist culture then like within your culture you think that thinking that white people are superior is a good thing whereas like we wouldn't say that yeah uh, i I don't know that those communities are necessarily thriving, although I'm no, sure some of them are. But um, that's just an easy example. But like, I'd have to do more research in terms of like cultural practices that exist in other parts of the world. We might look at and say that's not good, but it's it's just accepted there. Do you want to read this comment from Modesty? Sure. In my opinion, I would have talked to the person who didn't contribute to the group project. In addition to not to, to to not do the same thing as others when you're a part of the group. Well, yeah, I mean, but what happens if you're in a group project and you're all getting the same grade and one person is like I'm just not doing anything and they're okay with getting a shitty grade, but other people in the group want to get a good grade, so they have the choice of either taking a shitty grade or doing the work of the one person who's not doing anything and allowing them the free ride. Well, and, and and sometimes you're just going to give that person the free ride because you're a, you know you don't want that person's input anyways. But yeah, you you want to 
you want to get that person to contribute as much as possible anyways. Um, what do you think? You think I should share some of these date ideas? Cause this yeah, is, let's this wrap is, with a, let's wrap with the, the bad first dates. Cause we're probably only about five minutes left. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, but my, my thing is it is uh, the good or evil thing is, is a tough one. And culturally, yes, I think that's, uh, you know, but I, I mean, kind of humanity in general and whether it supports goodness or whether it supports badness and, you know, and whether the answer people, is we're a blank slate. Well, but where, what have we grown into and what is it reinforcing? So you're, you're saying the environment reinforces it one way or the other. And I'm I would say that, that we've, in, we, we've engineered in most cultures, we've engineered society to encourage good behavior because it be, good behavior benefits society, bad behavior doesn't. So we've, we've engineered society to encourage good behavior, but that doesn't answer the question of whether or not we're inherently good or not. We've shifted the scales to push people in one direction, whether they want to or not, because it's more beneficial to themselves to not break the laws because consequences of breaking the law suck. So that doesn't answer the question of what's our inherent nature. My answer as an existentialist is there is none. Well, and, and the people that have engineered society to do that, uh, I'm assuming are very powerful and, and generally very intelligent people uh, who have... Well, it's just whoever writes the laws. Well, I think they've done it through religion and the invention of religion and the establishment of government, oftentimes through religion. If you go back far enough, sure. Yeah, and, and, and I think religion has played a big role, but you know, we're definitely losing... So you and I can attest to, we definitely lost a lot of religion. So, um, so things change. Um, all right. Uh, let me hit these, uh, these worst first dates. Cause I, it, <laughs> there's so many of them out there and I didn't realize I was, you know, I was reading from, uh, the one thing that I shared with you the other day and, uh, you know, there was maybe 30, 40, 50 of them. But if you just scroll through Twitter, there's so many good ones. Um, <laughs> yeah, right. let's finish on something light. Go, go for it. <laughs> my date went to the bathroom, so I texted my roommate who was having an argument. <laughs> my date went to the bathroom, so I texted my roommate while he was gone. Uh, she was she was having an argument with her ex, but I accidentally sent it to my date. So while he was in the bathroom, he received a text from me that said, "Are you okay? I love you." <laughs> And that's funny, but that's not a bad first date. That's just kind of an awkward, like, hey, I've got to explain something here. <laughs> Could you imagine being at a, at a first date and you go to take a piss? And you're there two minutes later, you get a text. I uh, mean, if I got a text like that on my first date, I would immediately assume that it was mistaken. I'd be like, so who? what's going on here? And they're like, yeah, it's my roommate who's having a fight with their boyfriend. I'd be like, oh, that makes sense. Um yeah, I mean, it would clear clear. It's you know, reasonable people would clear that up pretty quickly. All right, so here's another bathroom one. Uh, he went to the bathroom and was gone for a, almost an hour. I got worried and went to the bathroom to see if everything was all right. And there he was, hanging from the bathroom window, stuck trying to escape. Hey, that's just awesome. <laughs> the bathroom ones are good. Um, real quick. So modesty, modesty says, unfortunately, some people are predestined to be bad. So like saying that, like, so when I say that humans are a blank slate, 
that's not to say that there isn't variance there for whatever biochemical reasons when you're born and, and how you grow up or whatever. Like there, there might be the deck is loaded one way or the other for or against you. But on aggregate, I'm saying that we're neutral. Yeah, I, uh, I agree with you. All right. Uh, this is a good one. <laughs> it's probably from someone in your neck of the woods. We stopped at his family's barbecue on the way to our date, and we found out that we were third cousins. Yeah, that sounds like a South Carolina problem. <laughs> All right. Uh, this one I, I really like, actually. <laughs> All right. Uh, he stood very erect and wore a fake muscle chest like a Batman costume under his clothes just to look fit. I really thought he was. Next time I saw him, he forgot to wear it and he had a belly. Uh, he also opened his eyes really wide to make a point when talking. That, that, that first one is hilarious. If If you go to a first date where like a fake muscle shirt or whatever... Like that's you understanding that you're torpedoing the date and like, I don't expect a second date and I'm doing this just to be funny. I don't think, I don't think people do that just to be funny at all. I think no, people... no. What I'm saying is that that's the attitude that you have to be going in with is this isn't going to work, but it's going to be funny. Oh God. But it's not, it's not fair for men who want to put on a fake, fake chest costume because women often supplement the the themselves in the padding right. department and also the makeup department um so you know i feel bad for this dude and he was doing he was doing the best he can he just he just can't he just couldn't trick you ladies like like as easily as as you can trick us guys yeah i think the the difference is like if i'm at a date with the chick and like i later find out that she was padding her bra or whatever i'm not gonna care <laughs> yeah exactly but if a girl went out with a guy who had a fake chest plate <laughs> um all right <laughs> i also think it's funny <laughs> oh god i feel bad for that dude all right um all right here we something like this has happened to me um and it's terrible uh went out for beers followed by a show everything was going great except his ex kept calling 84 times exactly that's not counting texts uh and messaging him words with friends but fuck it uh i married him anyways so apparently so, that worked out really well yeah the he, he's missing a really simple solution there which is what turn off your phone yeah yeah good point um, all right, next one. Last one. Um, <laughs> you're going to like this one. <laughs> I met him at a restaurant, and right when we sat down, he immediately said, please order what you want. I don't want you to feel self-conscious about your weight. <laughs> I love that one because <laughs> it reminds me of, uh, I, I know I've told this story before, but there was a question on Ask Reddit of like, you're out on a first date. What do you say to like to ruin the date as quickly as possible? And there are a whole bunch of like vulgar responses that I didn't think were particularly clever, but I did like this one. Which is you sit down for dinner. She'll have the salad. 
that's that's what I thought of actually when uh, when I read this one. Uh, I met him at a restaurant, and right when I sat down, he immediately said, "Please order what you want. I don't want you to feel self conscious about your weight." Which is hilarious because like he had the right idea, but just totally <laughs> screwed the execution. There was no, there was no tact in uh in that at all and and uh I, you know oh god <laughs> i can just i can just picture you walking a girl to the car and saying would you like me to open the passenger side door for you <laughs> no i don't even do that i know i just like unlock the door and I'm, like I, i'm very you, you don't yeah i'm very aware we covered this we covered this last time um god yeah, if, uh, if if the fact that I don't open the car door for her torpedoes the date, then there were going to be problems down the line. Um, yes, I agree. All right, I think uh, we're out of time. I know we're out of time. So I want to thank everybody for joining. Uh, I I will let you know if we will be on live next Tuesday. Obviously, you know, I, I got to travel uh, over the weekend. So I don't know for certain that uh, that will be live Tuesday but I'll make sure that this episode goes online as quickly as possible. I want to thank everybody for joining us live, despite the connection issues and uh, invite you guys to follow us on YouTube and uh, any audio podcast platform you can. Thank you guys for joining James. Thank you for joining Rosh, Rosh Galeb, everyone in the background, feeding us your live comments. Uh, Thank you to Rosh and I will see you guys next time. Adios. Cheers. All right, this is The Other End. Thank you for joining. Uh, if you made it this far, I, I do politely ask that you uh, subscribe, comment, share, like this episode. Anything you do, any interaction helps us out, so I uh, I do greatly appreciate that. Thank you guys so much, and I'll see you next time. Episode 150 is next. I like PBR. I just got priced out of it.